Hey everyone, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. This episode takes us behind the scenes of an epic journey with director Garth Davis's new film, Lion. Inspired by true events, the film tells the story of Saru Brearley, a five-year-old boy who gets lost on a train that takes him hundreds of miles away from his home and family in India. He survives the streets alone in Calcutta until he is ultimately adopted by an Australian couple. 25 years later, haunted by memories of the family he left behind, he sets out to finally find them. In addition to Lion, Mr. Davis's credits include the documentary Pins and episodes of the television series Top of the Lake and Love My Way. In 2009, Mr. Davis was nominated for the DGA Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Commercials for his U.S. cellular spot, Shadow Puppets. Following a recent screening of Lion at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Davis spoke with fellow director James Ponsolt about the making of the film. In their conversation, Mr. Davis discusses the five-month-long international search to cast the main character of Saru, his desire to have the technology within the film be reflective of Saru's emotional journey, and how interacting with the real-life Saru and his birth and adoptive mothers influenced certain scenes in the film. Thank you, Garth, for making such a beautiful film. Thank you, James. <laughs> and thank you for being here with us tonight. Um, I don't know how you're doing it. You, you finished um, shooting an entire other film a week ago? Yeah, if that. Yeah, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> but I'm here. You're here. Well, let's talk about this film. Um, can you sort of start at the beginning and talk about how Lion um, sort of came to you and how you became interested in telling this story? Uh, we were, I was in Sundance um, with Top of the Lake um, with Ian Canning and Emil Sherman, the producers of that show, and they had just read the article about Saru's story and they just thought of me when they read it. And they said, Garth, you should really check this out. And I read the article and um, just totally fell in love with this story. I said, guys, if you can get the rights to this, we should make it. And they just went and got the rights and we made the film. It's just like that. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, can you talk about um, sort of how you collaborated with your screenwriter, uh, Luke Davies? Yeah, Luke came on a little bit later. Um, so when we got the rights to the story, I said to them, I really need to get to India um, and kind of immerse myself in the, in the story. And um, so I was sent to India and serendipitously at the time, 60 Minutes was doing an article where the adoptive mother was meeting the birth mother. So I was there during that moment. So it was kind of pretty amazing. I was because um, Saru was kind of so preoccupied with the stress of it all and kind of being with his, you know, with his Indian mother. So I was left with with Sue a lot of the time. So I kind of was suddenly forced into this really kind of intense relationship very quickly. So it was really amazing. But anyway, I kind of did this big research trip, which started there, and I've, I retraced Saru's steps. And then at a certain point, um, 
we decided Luke was the right person. And then when he came on, he did the same research trip as I did. And then we got together in LA and started to map out the, the script. Can you talk about Saru and what, what it's what he's like and sort of what your impressions were of him when you first met him? He's kind of um he's a kind of a quiet guy. Um he's quite good with the ladies. <laughs> um a very determined person. Um but I don't know, I kind of he's a kind of curious character, but when I saw him with his mother in India, I, I everything made sense, and um, I learned the most from the mothers, more than anything, more than Saru probably. The mothers really gave me the most guidance in the making of the film. What what kind of sort of guidance did they give you? Well, it was kind of it really struck me when I was with the sixty minutes team, and I saw the adoptive mother meet the birth mother and there was this um, kind of image that I can't get out of my head where Saru is standing there being embraced by both mothers. So from behind you see Saru and there's a like kind of a brown arm and a white arm cuddling him and I thought far out, like he's just so loved by these mothers. And it was such a striking image and um, both mothers or women are just so special and powerful and amazing um, that I just kind of drew upon their strength and their inspiration really for, for everything. Can you, uh, it seems such an impossible task of, of casting this film, which you did beautifully. Um, can, can you talk about how you assembled the cast? Well, I don't know. I mean, most of you are probably directors, but um, realizing that the first half of the movie rests on a five-year-old is uh, a hell of a thing to kind of uh, comprehend it's very sobering um, so I was kind of shitting myself um, <laughs> so uh, yeah like getting the right kid was kind of critical and so we spent five months kind of hunting for the child and um, I think we saw thousands of children and then we got it down to about a hundred or so and um, there's this uh, genius acting coach from New Zealand called Miranda Harcourt She's a very special lady. Um, I decided to get her on board and we worked together quite intensively and um, workshopped these children in India. And, um, and then one day we came across a little Sunny in that, in that process and uh, it, it all worked out. But So it's a kind of a lot of hard work and a lot of luck and um, you kind of get there. The rest of the film, I mean, at the end of the day, the only way this film could have been made and the way it was made was if everybody was passionate about making it. So, you know, you get kind of A-listers and all these kind of people who want to do the movie, but they're just going to dial it in. Um, it's not really interesting. Um, so everybody that came to this movie was passionate about the story and that was really what guided me through the film. Um, I, I told you in the lobby that Sonny, I mean, for me, gave one of the best child performances I've seen in years. Can you talk about sort of what, what it was that stood out about him from all the hundreds, you know, thousands of other kids he met? Well, you know, I spent a lot of time kind of imagining the story and um, I stood at Calcutta Station and imagined my child, I have three children, imagining them in this situation and the the reality of, of that was kind of, in, was kind of intense. And, you know, you read this article and you go, yeah, it's a great story, but when you actually stand in Calcutta Station or stand at the orphanages or stand at these places where sex trafficking kind of plays out now... Um, it's it's very real. Um, so I don't know. I just 
I kind of um, started to imagine and manifest what this kid was like. You know, he must have been very streetwise. He must have had a kind of a, a something about him that he had, must have had an amazing instinct for things, um, which you see in the in the scene with Noor and Rama. Um, and obviously I met Saru as well, so I kind of had that as well. So I had this kind of imag- imagining of this kid and then little Sonny walked into the room and just the way he held himself, it just kind of fulfilled that feeling I had about the kid. I go, oh my God, that's him. And then we brought him into this kind of acting exercise that we were trying out. And um, I just put the camera in his face and I'm walking around with this kid and um, I go, oh my God, this is our movie. So that was him. There was only one kid. That was it. How different is sort of the approach when you're working with, with Sonny um, and say Nicole Kidman? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of the same. Uh, uh, like, you know, I think with children, um, you know, you've got to do a lot more planning. Um, but there's something kind of exciting about working with children because it's so kind of untamed and wild. Um, but also I love putting non-actors with famous actors because they can't dial it in. You know, they've got a real-life person opposite them and it kind of brings everyone into their A-game. But to be honest, everybody in this film was just so engaged with what they were doing and um, being very brave in their choices. So um, it was kind of, everything was kind of the same but different, if that makes any sense. Um, and then can you talk sort of about, I mean, the, the look of the film? You, I didn't realize that you, I mean, you told me this in the lobby, but you and your cinematographer, Greg Fraser, you've been working together for 22 two years? Yeah. That's good, yeah. <laughs> can you talk about your collaboration on this film and I guess, you know, in the grander scheme of things? Yeah, Greg and I have known each other for like 22 years. Um, he was the cleaner in my office, actually. Um, and anyway, I suppose the key to it is that we, all of our early work we did together. So a lot of that intuitive stuff we kind of developed together. So, you know, we just kind of understand each other in such a kind of deep way. So um, that was kind of really nice. And this being my first film, I mean, he became very famous, you know, way ahead of me. And... Um, is kind of coming together to do this film was very special, but um, I don't know. We just um, we just have a very natural quality together and an ease in how we're working together. So it was just a joy to work with him on this. And what what is I mean? Do you guys do you storyboard? Do you shot list? Do you sort of how does that work with you two? Uh, no, I, I do storyboard eventually. I mean, I kind of um, I have to immerse my I have to find the world of the film. So my big thing is locations. So I. I want to get on the ground. I want to find out where we're going to tell the story. And um, once I find the world of the film, a location or whatever, then the scenes start to present, present themselves to me and I can start to sketch things out. So it's a combination of locations and casting. In that process somewhere, I can start to really visualise a film. And, and what's the sort of the environment that you try to, with, with your assistant director, that you sort of try to create on on set for all the actors, the crew? Is there something that you're aiming for? Uh, I love um, creating an incredible sense of ease for everybody on set. Um, you basically don't remember anybody that works on my movie. That's really the key. So um, it's it's actually very natural and easy and um, everybody feels very safe and I give the actors a lot of space. Um, a lot of space. I don't light. 
I hate lighting. I hate sets. Um, I like to give everybody as much environment as possible to express themselves and as much freedom as possible. Um, so, yeah, it's all about the performances, really. Yeah. And, and so how many, you know, say with Sonny versus Dev, like is there... How, how many takes would you do with, with Sonny to get the performance that you needed? That, is it They're kind of the same, aren't they? They're two big kids. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, look, I don't know. If you get it in the first take, you get it. I mean, I like to film the rehearsals. I'm, I'm not a big fan of rehearse, rehearsing scenes. Um, I kind of like to shoot the rehearsals because often they're very good. Um, yeah, I don't like to shoot more than I have to. Um, but I don't know. I mean... They're probably about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then sort of, I mean, c coming out, you know, the the other side, what was the sort of the edit like? How do you work with your editor? And was this an easy story to find in the edit? Was it a longer process or? Um, I think the double-edged sword of this story is that it's such a powerful story um, that you can kind of get caught up in the shorthand quality of the story. So it was like, how do we find the, the complicated quality of the story? And um, I don't know, This what we found is that this film had a, an emotional alchemy that um, was very sensitive to editing. So, you know, there's a part of your head that decides that you could kind of truncate this section or move this section on, but you kind of disturb the emotional energy that you're creating in the edit. And um, I just was very protective of the energy that you create in the edit and just continuing that on. And um, so it became something that was a little bit beguiling and curious, if that makes any sense. Yeah. No, I mean, there's such a, I mean, the, the tone is so, for me, it was so pitch perfect. You know, it could have could have become sentimental, could have been, I mean, there's incredibly emotionally brutal <laughs> and there's hints of it. I mean, it was, I think I told you I was watching with my, children asleep in the other room and I was dying inside in the first part but um it was a, you have an incredibly sensitive touch so, so do you James oh, <laughs> thank you um and can, can you talk sort of I mean it is sort of um you know this archetypal in some ways sort of yeah. Dickensian story with this very modern um sort of turn with 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 Google can you sort of I don't know talk about the mapping and sort of I don't know it, it, that it was part of what captured your imagination in the story and how you did that yeah, I mean, it's always terrifying as a director to kind of realize you've got to shoot a computer screen. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit, really? Um, even on top of the lake, you know, I had scenes where we had to look at mobile phones. I was like, oh, really? Yeah. Um, so they kind of terrified me, but I kind of thought of Peter Weir a lot, like Picnic at Hanging Rock, and I thought, wow, he can make a rock kind of amazing. So I thought, well, I can make Google amazing. Yeah. And I think that um, if you... For me, the one thing that really struck me was when Saru said he found home, he saw his home on Google Earth. I mean, it was such a kind of poignant moment for him. Um, it was just this blurry, decayed image. It's like, so I never got that in my head. This like this kind of furry image. And it was, oh my God, that's my mother. Yeah. So I don't know. I just kind of decided that if we structured it correctly, that um, all the Google stuff we will take Saru's emotional luggage and we'll just project it into that imagery and it could be very exciting. Yeah. And also Saru um, believed that he would astral travel back to his mother. So every night he would imagine himself kind of travelling out of Hobart. He would fly back to Australia, oh, sorry, back to India 
go down all the laneways and he would go into his house and he would um, visit his mother and say, hi, mum, I'm here, I love you, I'm still alive. And um, it was something he always did. So the whole opening of the movie, the whole title sequence is really his spirit going home to India. Um, so I kind of got a bit excited about um, making Google his spirit and making um, making the technology kind of reflect his emotional story. <laughs> yeah, so there's no VFX. It's all, you know, we wanted to go back to the original software and get that kind of low-rent Google Earth period. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you know, when you get on a film, everyone's going, "Hey, man, we get the visual effects on." I'm like, "No, no, 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 no." Do you not like visual effects? No. I I love visual effects. Oh. I mean, I've, yeah, but no, not in this case. <laughs> um, can you talk? I mean, you were talking about sort of the screens and how it's a challenge for any filmmaker to film screens. Can you talk sort of about how you think perhaps your your background as a fine artist affects your approach as a filmmaker? Uh, it's interesting because uh, my background is kind of fine art and then I fell into TV commercials, um, which is kind of not where a fine art should really be. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I, I just think when you play with the alchemy of characters and story, it's very fulfilling um, in the same way that maybe a fine artist is fulfilled in what they do. So I don't know. It's just it's in some way maybe through the alchemy of what you're doing, you kind of communicate something that's very deep and interesting. Um, anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about now. <laughs> um, can you talk about the use of uh, sort of the, the score and how you work with your composer? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's two things that I've recognised as a lot of people um, are afraid of emotion in movies and they're afraid of using music because I think you're cheating. Um, I just love music in films. Like I love The Mission. I love Jane Campion's um, The Piano. So I was really excited to use music in a bold way. Um, so it was something that I was always kind of excited about. Um, and it was really interesting because I was kind of cutting the film and trying all these different composers. And um, coincidentally, at the time that I was getting close to having to make a decision, one of these composers I was using in the offline was actually performing in my hometown. Hauschka was playing in Melbourne. I thought, that's weird. So I went down to watch his show live and it was such an amazing show and I thought, holy shit, he's amazing, he's perfect. And he actually said, this song is about being in a train, you know, going along and I'm going, oh my God, it's meant to be. And um, I thought, oh, this is fantastic. And um, so I met him after the show and I said, oh, I've got this crazy idea, maybe you and... Dustin O'Halloran should work together. I said, I don't know if you'd be open to that. And he goes, that's so weird. I was his best man at his wedding. <laughs> and I went, yay. <laughs> so it was the train and Dustin and yeah, uh, that happened a lot in this film. Um, so I don't know, they're just such beautiful guys and they're so heartfelt. So it all worked out. Can you, I have to ask, I mean, what, what for you was the hardest part of, of, of making this film? I think it was definitely the the child. Yeah. It was definitely realizing that half the movie rested on the performance of this child. That was very sobering as a director. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrifying. Yeah. Has it I mean has it affected um <clears throat> I mean are there things that you um have taken from the film that I mean that you took into your next film and sort of changed your approach at all? Or? Um I think I think the one thing that I've learned is that your instincts are never wrong. So, like, if you your immediate reaction to something is never wrong. 
That's what I've learned. Um, and to always surround yourself in people that um, you trust. And um, I, mean, I mean, these are all obvious things, but um, they really pay off, I think, in big ways. Um, but that's what I really learned a lot in this process. And never to assume anything. You know, I have a rule, always see a set before you shoot it. Always see a costume before you shoot it. Just don't take anyone's word for anything. Yeah. Like, always see everything before you shoot it. Um, but also, I think if you bring people in, everyone you choose, if they're passionate about the film, like, amazing things are possible. Um, can you, what can you share about, about your next film, the one that you've just finished? I'm probably going to get a lot of trouble for it. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I was just finishing Lion and, um, and the producers uh, brought Mary Magdalene to my attention and um, I said, no, no, I'm really tired. I'm, I need to have a break. And um, <laughs> anyway, I read the script. It was astonishing. It was absolutely astonishing script. And um, oh, shit, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of thrust into that. And, um, but it was, uh, I've literally just come off the set like four or five days ago. Um, it was such a fantastic experience. I can't wait to cut it. I can't <laughs> wait to see it. Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix is Jesus, which is uh, kind of extraordinary. And Rooney, again, um, I mean, she's just such a beautiful actress. Um, so I'm a very lucky man. You are. Well, we're very lucky too. Garth has another Q&A that he has to go to immediately from here. So please give him a big hey, round of applause. Thanks for staying. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this DGA Q&A. Check out past episodes of the podcast by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org slash podcast. We'll have a lot more episodes coming your way over the next several weeks, so stay tuned. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Director's Cut on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or our SoundCloud page so you won't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.